This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, game one of the conference finals is in the books and the four offenses broke out for 61 goals. Sounds like a good time to talk to the offensive coordinators. Plus another round of box bets and a question. If your best friend coaches in Vegas, would you join him? All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh wow. Claire right down the middle, shoots and he scores! shooters, but look at that save against Trey LeClaire. Unbelievable. Dane Smith scores! The Dane, great again. And Rose, can't believe it. Last time these two teams bet, Dane Smith was held to zero points. Tonight, the Dane train is rolling with 11 points. Look at this shot. That is a perfectly placed bounce shot right around a couple of defenders. In Toronto, trying not to end up short. That goes in. Schreiber brings the rock to within one and. Despite the serenading, it's not over yet. Yeah, if I'm the DJ, I might be refreshing my LinkedIn profile after playing that song a little bit too early. Toronto need the ball, need a goal. Erlen pops it to himself forward. Erlen's going to take, dishes over. Hallier off the post, back, denied! The Rock pushed the bandits to the limit. 
Those were just some of the sounds from game one of the National Lacrosse League Conference Finals, Buffalo Bandits, Toronto Rock, Colorado Mammoth, and the San Diego Seals. We will be in for another round of games this weekend as game two will go both on Saturday. He is Pat Gregoire. I am Teddy Jenner. This is the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Thank you for stopping by. Patty, what is going on, my man? You were in Bandit Land. You got to see all the sights and sounds of Sunday. Have you recovered from the madness? I still can't believe how crazy of a game uh, we saw. Like 35 goals, but it wasn't just the amount of goals. It was the crazy goals, the highlight reel goals, the runs, like... I know that the old adage goes lacrosse is a game of runs, but that was ridiculous. Like the amount of goals we saw in a small period of time and like the, the narratives going into this, obviously everyone was talking about the high powered offense of the bandits, but like how good Nick Rose has been Matt Vince um, and the defenses on both sides, but throw that all out, out in the garbage because we saw an instant classic 35 goals, T's and P's to those who took the under because I think it was dead early third quarter. Early. Um, I, I thought that the Colorado game would have gone way over and the Buffalo Man- Bandits game would have gone mm-hmm. under. I was wrong on both. Uh, both were hot scoring affairs. There was 26 in the San Diego-Colorado game. Uh, you mentioned it about that Buffalo game. It was the game of runs, but every run got answered. Like, yeah. even when Buffalo went on a five-goal run, Toronto quickly came back and got that game tied again. They went on a three- or four-goal run. And then Buffalo would do the same thing. And then they just started trading goals. And then it was just a free-for-all. And I felt for Nick Rose, and I felt for Matt Vince because they didn't have their best games. Yes, they made some incredible saves and kept their teams in it, but... I bet you could go up to both of those guys and said, on a scale of one to 10, what would you rate yourself? And they probably wouldn't give them a very high grade. I think we will see much better performances from them this weekend, but man, it must've been a tough night to be a goalie in the NLL this weekend. And that that's the thing. I don't know if maybe I wasn't uh, as critical as I should have been on the goaltenders. Um, on the broadcast, but at the same time, man, the, the like watching back some of those goals, like, like that game winner by Dane Smith, like that's a perfectly executed shot. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the goals, they were just ridiculous. And yeah, it wasn't uh, Nick Rose or Matt Vince's fault, but there were times where the ball was just, you know, automatically going in the back of the net. And you, you just, you think like that doesn't normally happen to these guys, but the way the offenses were clicking, the way that these guys were were ripping the ball, uh, it was a tough night to be a defense and a tough night to be a goaltender. And I think all signs show uh, that we'll see a better effort or a better uh, execution from the defenses. And I know those goaltenders will be back because you said it. If you talk to them and how they would feel about their performances, they probably are, are harder on themselves than they need to be. Um, but they're also two guys that know how to bounce back and they'll bounce back big. Yeah, and then the other game, Colorado-San Diego. San Diego jumps up to a 9-6 lead at half. Colorado just puts the boots to him in the third quarter, outscoring him 5-1. And 
hold on for a 14-12 win. But the big story there, no Ryan Lee, and he was shown on the broadcast in a full leg brace, which does not look good. And if he is done for the foreseeable future, for the rest of the series, for the rest of the season, that is a huge loss for the Colorado Mammoth. But they showed that it doesn't matter. Ryan Lee or not, they can put up goals. Zed had five. Eli had three. C-Rob had four. Everybody in that offense chipped in. And they steal game one on the road in San Diego. Uh, When I heard that Lee was going on the shelf, uh, I thought, oh, man, this could be a long night for Colorado. That's that's the straw that stirs the drink. That's your elite goal scorer, your elite playmaker. But they proved me wrong. That offense looked like they didn't miss a beat. And shout out Zeddy Ballgame. This is a big-time performer. He decides to have his best game in a Mammoth jersey uh, in the biggest stage, the biggest point. And he was unbelievable. Uh, He showed the type of player that I think a lot of people expected right away. And maybe the expectations were a little bit too high for Zed. Um, just because it, it is hard to fit in a new offense. and um, But, boy, it sounds and looks like he is certainly fitting into that. And, of course, it's more touches. It's more opportunities. I think he had 12 shots, five what, five goals and 12 shots. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, but uh, you mentioned it, Connor Robinson continuing to prove what an unbelievable pickup he was for this group. And I think... Uh, if they want to go on a deep run, obviously losing uh, Ryan Lee for, for long-term is going to hurt. I think we'll be able to see, is is this group here sustainable? Um, is the performance that we saw sustainable? If they can do it again um, against San Diego, I think this is a team that just, you know, depth wins. And, and mm-hmm. of course, you never want to lose your number one offensive threat but that's why you go out and get other pieces that's why you build around your number one piece because if they do go down especially at this point of the season um, you have other guys to step up and that certainly was the case on friday night he is pat gregor at p greggy i am at teddy jenner the show is at otcb underscore podcast or you can find us on instagram at otcb podcast and of course if you are going to the games this weekend either in hamilton or in Colorado, make sure you look your best. Head over to fanatics.ca or nllshop.com and get the best gear in town. Whether it's a shirt, a hat, a hoodie, whatever you want to wear to the game, support your team. Wear your team colors and make sure you look your best. Again, nllshop.com or fanatics.ca. Before we get to our thumbs up, thumbs down, um, I got a question. Why are you selling a Ski-Doo? <laughs> I'm not selling it. I was sharing a post. It, oh. it was my, yes, it was my girlfriend's dad's post. They just got a new Ski-Doo. They haven't sold the other one yet. So we were over there the other night. Hadn't got too many bites or, or serious bites. So I said, send me over the post. I'll share it. Um, kind of a, a subtle flex that I have a lot of Facebook. You're friends, not a Ski-Doo guy? Why don't you just keep the Ski-Doo? Well, I, I mean, I just... <sighs> It's tough to be a Sea-Doo guy when your weekends in the summer are spent at the lacrosse arenas, and I don't live by a lake. I'm in North Pickering, which is really nowhere close to the water. Isn't like Lake um, Ontario right there? It's not right there. You still got to draw. Like it's it's it's. I'm in the North End, so I mean, I could still drive. You know, ten minutes down the road to get to Lake Ontario, but 
It, 10 minutes is, is close to a lake, Pat. Yeah, but it, it's... I don't want to see you, Teddy, okay? <laughs> I just don't want to see you. I like, you are busy. I like, you, you are busy. You I like enjoying other people's sea do. Like if I'm at a yeah, cottage or something, I'll yeah. go for a rip. But I'm not spending my rare night off or afternoon off. I'd much rather, well, again, new house. I got to do stuff around the house. I got chores. Um, I, I, I like to golf. So buying a sea do is uh, near the very bottom of my to-do yeah. list. So. I'll respect that. Um, you said you're a busy man. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. The Ironheads have a big game tonight against the Junior B Northmen. Uh, mm-hmm. The Junior A seasons are in full swing in Ontario and BC. Um, the Junior B loops are running wild. Uh, how is it going for your Ironheads? It's going well so far before we, we tape uh, before tonight's game. 4-1-1 one and one right now. Um, a tough, tough opponent in Orangeville. Uh, they have a very solid team, as they normally do. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're undefeated. We, we've got one loss, so it should be a good game tonight. But uh, it's, a, it's a, a weird part of the schedule right now where, you know, junior A's are going, but guys aren't quite back at school. So yeah. we've got a lot of our boys running a lot right now with the beaches and with school, lacrosse, everything going on. But if, if I can give you a piece of advice. Let's hear it. Um, don't burn your kids out in the first few weeks. Yep. Retweet, retweet, retweet. retweet. It is tough because we ran into the same problem of, you know, having guys running with the junior A's and then pl- doing a full practice with us. And they're like doing three practices a night playing two games and just guys are already, you know, feeling the tweaks and, and kind of slowing down. So just be aware that these kids are still playing a lot of lacrosse. And you kind of got to give them a break every so often. So don't be so hard on them, Patty. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm not the the big not the bad coach. Oh, it depends which night. No, no, no. Of course, no, of course not. But uh, I, I, you mentioned Junior A here in Ontario, and I want to just first off, just give a big shout out to JVI um, Sports Network. Uh, them in cooperation with the Ontario Junior Lacrosse League, providing us some games. I want to say game of the week. Yeah, but it's, it's been it, but it's almost for some weeks. It's been multiple games of the week. We so uh, kudos to them. It's free. It's on YouTube. So if if you're in BC or if you're in Alberta or even if you're in Ontario and you can't make it to the game, go to their uh, YouTube, um, JBI Sports Network. Um, or follow them or follow the OJ on their socials, find out which games are being broadcast and, and support them um, because free lacrosse is the best form of lacrosse. So this is how you we're watching. It. We're using that. Uh, oh dear. We're watching the games as well. It's been perfect. And, and uh, we're I know starting some, to slowly stream some games out here. So exactly. you guys can watch us. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It is perfect. Um, speaking of Ontario lacrosse, um, we kind of hinted at this a few weeks ago that there was going to be some craziness coming down the pipeline. Uh, we didn't want to get too deep into it because we didn't know all the details. Um, the OLA and the major series are in a heated debacle right now. Do you know any more of what is going on? Honestly, I wish I could. I wish I could say I did, but it's the basically what's come out recently is what had been rumbling for for a long time, 
And I mean, the season is literally right around the corner, and is we don't know. In jeopardy? Do you think? Like legitimately? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. The the MSL held a emergency meeting um, when they found out that you know the the move was upheld or the OLA's decision. Sorry to keep them uh, them being the Excelsiors in Brampton. So I don't know, Teddy. I said this a while ago, and I don't know if it was on this podcast or if it was uh, a tweet or in our group chat, but the simple solution would have been granting Owen Sound a expansion team, keeping Brampton, keeping the Excelsiors in Brampton. Everyone's happy. But can never do the easy thing, and we're just going to continue to just drag our feet Spin our, our tires in the mud here, and I don't know how this gets resolved. I honestly have no idea. Um, it, it is it, it is mind-numbing, this situation. How long have we been talking about this for? It's been going on. Well, the sale happened, what, two years ago? Yeah. So <laughs> I, it, it, we've been talking about this, and it feels like we have gotten absolutely nowhere. nowhere. No. Perhaps we've gone backwards. Heck, they still have teams that owe money for protecting players. Like, there are a lot of issues going on in Ontario lacrosse right now, and hopefully they can get it all rectified so we don't just have an absolute calamity in the first full season back from a pandemic. So, uh, fingers crossed, cooler heads prevail, and uh, we'll keep you updated as best as we can. But the fact at hand is the start to the Western Conference Finals was absolutely outstanding. You were in Banditland. And that is where we're going to start with our thumbs up this week. Thumbs up to Banditland and the city of Buffalo. Um, no doubt it was a very emotional uh, 24 hours in Buffalo. Um, you know, I was, I didn't, I, I was planning, uh, you know, if I didn't have a game with the Ironheads, I was planning on, you know, crossing the border around four, five, six o'clock. That's and around the, um, senseless attack, um, you know, at Tops Friendly Market, a, a su- uh, you know, a super store. And, you know, less than 24 hours, around 24 hours, um, the Buffalo Bandits had to play a game. And yes, there's a couple of players that are from the Western New York area, but there's a lot of players that have moved and, and live in that, um, that area. So um, it was uh, obviously for anyone, it would be emotional playing that game, playing in front of that crowd. Um, but a lot of the guys call Buffalo home now, and they've mm. embraced it. And that made it even more um, emotional. And I, I think Togan and Anico said it perfectly. You know, this is a medicine game. This is what it's all about. And for about two hours, that city that was in so much pain and had, had so many questions of what's going on with the world, and they could forget about um the real world and go out and just watch their beloved bandits and their not so beloved Toronto Rock um go to go to work and they put on a show it was an emotional night um it doesn't obviously solve what happened there's still so many questions and so much work to be done um in this world in that community to to begin the healing process um but what those guys were able to do for two hours and the fans to show their support for the community. 
it, it was pretty awesome. And it was pretty awesome to be a part of and see it firsthand. And that just shows you uh, what type of community Buffalo is. They, they call themselves one Buffalo, um, the city of, of good neighbors. Uh, and that was on full display. Uh, Buffalo is a special place. And I know they're going to get through this. They're going to do it together. And, and it's moments like this um, that they're going to rally around. Yeah, we talked about it last week on the show that it was going to be your first experience calling a game in Banditland, and never did we imagine no. that it would have the importance for a city that it did. And I want to say that both you, John, and Ashley uh, did an incredible job um, recognizing those affected and keeping the nature of the game uh, at the forefront. So I thought you guys did an absolutely incredible job on the broadcast with everything um, that was surrounding that. But yeah, it just had to be an absolutely incredible night um, for everybody um, on Sunday. My thumbs up goes to Dylan Ward, goaltender of the Colorado Mammoth, for that just absolutely insane save on Trey LeClaire at the end of the game that I would have gotten i believe san diego to within one or not tie the game at that point but just a standard dylan ward save top of his crease makes a save trey leclerc finds the rebound and somehow wardo is able to just contort his body throw his right arm back or left arm back because he's a lefty get his stick on it make the save you know sealing the win for his club Big game players made big game plays at big game moments, and that was the biggest of them all in that game. And just what a moment the Colorado man without Ryan Lee to go in and win that game and have your MVP goalie make a save like that at the most important time was just um, two thumbs up for me. It was just an incredible save. And it was one of those saves where when it first happened, I was like, did, did, did that just actually happen? And you're waiting for the replay to see it and you're waiting, you're waiting. And then finally you get a second look at it and you're like, oh my God, Dylan Ward just did it again. Mm-hmm. But how many times have we seen this guy uh, come up in the clutch in the big situations? He's won at virtually, you know, every level except this one, right? Mm-hmm. And eh, big saves like that performances like this no ryan lee man it feels like this team despite losing their number one offensive threat if they can play like this the rest of the way maybe this is the time that dylan ward gets his his elusive nll cup it would be a heck of a run if they did but they still have to get through the seals and they still would have to get through the Eastern Conference champions. Um, thumbs down this week, and we both agree oh, uh, for this thumbs down. And this is, I don't know how they're going to fix this, but they have got to find a way to speed up goal reviews. Mm-hmm. If not set a time limit like they do in the NFL, if not create a war room um, in one central hub that watches all the games and can quickly review everything. So they're not having to rely on arena staff to do it. We still need the same all equal cameras in all the arenas, but that delay in the Buffalo game just took the wind out of the sails and what was a fantastically played. And 
it was maybe close to five minutes, three minutes. I don't know how long it was. I was fast forwarded through it. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts how long it took. And I was a part of the broadcast and even me trying to figure out, is it a goal? Is it not? And like, you're and just watching just this- for the broadcast. You just got to fill that time with nothing. And, and that's the thing. So we started talking about other things going on. And John brings up a great point. He says, you know, even if this counts as a goal for Buffalo, uh, if you're Toronto at this point, you're like, this is fine because the life has just been sucked out of the building. Yeah. There's no more momentum. Like the momentum that they had going on that run was taken away. And he brought up a great point. And you're looking at the same angles over and over again. And then like you kind of then put yourself in a mental pretzel because you've seen the angles so many times. Now you're looking at different things and believe it or not with the history that Buffalo, the city of Buffalo has with crease calls, they do not have the technology where they can freeze frame one angle and then go to the next angle Mm -hmm. um, at that same point. So I think that was a big issue with that review so i agree with you they're too long but i think there needs to be a, a, a equal playing ground in terms of the angles that you can look at um because yes. it's just some buildings it's great some other buildings you're fighting and and you know the, the key bank center is a great building that's an nhl building but they still don't have those capabilities or at least the truck um that they were using didn't have the capabilities so there's got to be an equal playing ground i think there has to be a time limit and I just think that with how electric and exciting that game was, I hope the casual fan that was watching didn't turn the channel when that review was going on because it was an unreal game. And if you're a casual sports fan and we're watching that game, there's no way you're not hooked. But at the same time, I don't blame you if you flip the channel for a bit to tr- and then come back. But boy, yeah. you talk about losing momentum for a team you're losing momentum for a casual sports fan during that as well. Yeah, and and the fact that, you know, you have fans in the arena who are able to watch the Jumbotron and, you know, have their opinion, and they're just sitting there waiting for the game to get going again. It's just, yeah, I I don't want to keep beating the dead horse, but, you know, it's it's got to have a time limit. We have to have, you know, the same amount of cameras um, on, you know, across the league and i truly believe we need to kind of do what toronto or what the nhl does and have a situation room where every game is being watched by whoever it is and they are the ones that essentially will make that final ruling not leave it up to the rest or like var and soccer suggest it to the officials say hey this is what we're seeing do you agree in 90 seconds in and out you're done if it goes beyond that, you're not decided, then it's obviously inconclusive. Like that mm-hmm. is the definition of inconclusive. If you and, and, can't make a decision in 90 seconds, then your mind's not made up. Definition inconclusive. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's what I said on the broadcast. I said, you know what? I ended up saying, I think his, his foot touches. I don't think this is a goal, but I think it's going to be inconclusive just based on how long they took. And, yeah. um, I agree. I totally agree, Teddy. I think that war room is a great idea. I think Mr. Lemon might be upset that you might have just added another hat <laughs> to his already uh, busy, busy, busy schedule that the man has. Uh, but I think that's something that needs to be done. Uh, so thumbs down, um, slow replays and reviews. Thumbs up 
Dylan Ward denying Trey Leclerc and Bandit Land and the city of Buffalo won Buffalo. The Bandits and The Rock will renew the rivalry Saturday. It is the first game of Game 2 weekend. And this week, we go around the four teams talking to the offensive coaches. First up, from The Rock, Rusty Kruger, right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Now to the Eastern Conference Final, where the Buffalo Bandits lead the Toronto Rock one game to another. Joined by Rusty Kruger, OC of The Rock. Rusty, how are you, my man? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are fantastic. Great. We really are. Um, we were treated to a, an unbelievable game between your two clubs on the weekend. Goals aplenty. Did you see that game playing out the way it did, or were you just as surprised as the rest of us that it was an absolute goal fest? Yeah, if somebody had told me that that was going to be the score, I would have said they were crazy. But, uh, you know, you got to give both offenses credit. Uh, you know, they both uh, were hitting their shots. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those game game runs, right? Uh, they went on their runs. We would try to claw ourselves back in there. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we came out on the short end of the stick. And uh, hopefully we can come out on the other side uh, on Saturday. In just his second NLL playoff game, Zach Manns really stepped up for you guys. Was that part of the game plan to get him more involved? Absolutely. You know, Zach's been, uh, he's been a great, great for us all year. Um, you know, he's had a few real big games for us, stepped up and uh, scored some big goals for us. Uh, you know, he's really turned into a, you know, real good offensive player. He's very athletic. Um, and, uh, you know, I, he's got a high ceiling. I think he's only going to get better. I think a lot of people coming into the, the offseason was kind of questioning, was there going to be enough from the lefties? And I think, that question was answered pretty quickly, and you guys have had some great production from that side of the floor. Dan Craig, as you mentioned, Teddy, uh, Zach Manns, Reed Ryan, unfortunately, out. Um, and then you even have a guy like Justin Scott come into the fold and produce. How happy have you been with the overall production from your lefties this season? I think it's been great. You know, uh, like you said, we've had guys coming in and out. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Reader got hurt there. Um, Danny Craig's coming into his own here. He's just a, you know, a real responsible you know athletic player you know he's great in transition takes takes away transition you know he's putting up good good numbers scoring some huge goals for us uh you know justin scott stepped in there hasn't played a lot even jordan mckenna's been up front a bit mm-hmm. uh, so uh you know we've been real happy with uh, with our left side and you know our right side demands so much attention uh you know the left side has to produce as well so you know they've been good and uh and uh you know it just hopefully it c- continues You've played in many of these Toronto-Buffalo battles in your career in the National Cross League. Was it a typical Buffalo-Toronto game? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, obviously down there, it's a great crowd. It's a great atmosphere. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty physical game. It was a hard game. Um, it was obviously from a fan's point of view. It was a, it was a, it was a very exciting cross game to watch. Um, you know, I, I think uh, – There'll be some, uh, yeah, it could probably get a little more physical maybe next game. I just, I just see, uh, you know, both teams last game, you know, uh, it was just wide open. So I'm sure things won't tighten up next game and, uh, you know, maybe get a little more physical. I'm, I'm going to ask JT the same question. Were you surprised there was only one penalty called? <laughs> yeah, I was actually. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it, the game was ref real well. Uh, I'd mm-hmm. take that officiating any day. Uh, you know, they let the guys play and, uh, it was good. It was it was a great game, and uh, you know I'd like to see the same thing on Saturday. 
Your team gets a, t- a ton of praise uh, for pushing the ball in transition, scoring in transition. But I feel like the one aspect that you guys kind of don't get credit for is your offense and how good you guys limit transition opportunities the other way. Is that something that this offensive group really prides themselves in? Yeah, I think so. You know, we've got such a great defense and goaltending. We want to allow them to do their jobs. So, uh, you know, we want to be responsible and taking away transition. You know, if we're not scoring, we don't want to get scored on, right? So um, I think the guys really bought into that and done a great job all season. Um, You know, we got some guys that can go back and play D as well. So uh, we're very athletic up front, and uh, we try to utilize that as much as possible. The addition of Rob Hellier back in the lineup for you guys obviously has to be a huge boost. But, you know, having that veteran presence on the floor has to be good for some of these young guys. How special of a player is Rob Hellier when it comes to playoff time? Oh, Robbie's great. You know, he's he's been playing this league for a long time, and, and you know, he's 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 put up a lot of numbers, and you know, he scores big goals. And uh, you know, he's a tough check, right? He's he's fast. He's uh, you know, he can shoot on the run. So you know, he's a tough check for any defense or any defender. So uh, you know, and his his leadership out there, you know, just for the younger some of the younger guys, he's been there, and uh, you know, he's a huge part of our offense. And of course, you got Tom Schreiber. Um, <laughs> How fun is it to coach a guy like that, knowing that, you know, he can just take over a game anytime he wants to? You know, I had Tommy's super skilled, right? Uh, you know, obviously having coaches against him, you, you just get to watch and admire what he does. But, uh, you know, being around him this year and, uh, you know, seeing his preparation, and, you know, Tommy's just a great person. He's a great teammate. And, uh, you know, he obviously uh, is having a great year for us, uh, but he makes everybody around him better. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff he does, he just kind of, you know, he, he amazed you. You just wonder how he, how he did that. Seems like this offensive group has a lot of fun when the ball's, you know, swinging around. It seems like there maybe is a little more creativity uh, with this group this year. Is that something that you kind of implemented, or is this just a group uh, of lacrosse players right now playing with a ton of confidence? Well, I think you're right there, and it's confidence, right? Uh, you know, they're all super skilled. Anytime you're at this level, you you know, you're you're skilled, you know, and uh, they deserve to be here. So, you know, as a coach, I just try and get out of their way. Um, you know, if, if things are stale or you know, you know, we're a little stagnant up front, you know, you, you'll you know, kind of implement some stuff. But for the most part, yeah, you just want to let them be creative and, and go out and play, right? So, um, as I said, you know, just get out of their way and let them do their thing because uh, you know they're all very skilled, high IQ, and uh, you know. I think uh, it's, it's good to see them getting that, the accolades they, they, that they're getting. Being back home in Hamilton should give you guys a, a bit of an added boost. How important is it to get that crowd on your side early? I think it's huge. Um, you know, I hope the, hope there's a real good atmosphere in there on Saturday night. Uh, it's going to be a great game. You know, we're, our backs are against the wall. Uh, you know, we want to get off to a good start. And, uh, you know, we know what's at stake here, so... Uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping we can, uh, you know, get, there's a good crowd in there because we definitely feed off feed off the uh, the atmosphere in there. You guys Obviously, Chalon Rogers is a special player, you know, on either side of the ball. But from a coach's standpoint, do you ever put the reins on him, or does he have the ability to kind of do whatever he wants out there? I think Chow is just kind of touching the surface of how good he really is. You know, he he can do a little bit of everything, right? Uh, you know, offensively, he's such a such a good athlete, right? He's, he's, a, he's a big body. You know, it's almost not even fair that he's that athletic, right? So when he's attacking, uh, he's a tough check for anybody. So um, I think as he gets more comfortable, you know, playing up front, uh, you know, he's a, the sky's the limit for, for Chow. 
Is it like a, a game of tug of war between you and Brucey to decide wh- which door he gets to go out of or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Chow's such a huge part of our team and he, you know, he's so important on the back end too. And, you know, we push his ball in transition and he can create up front too. So, um, you know, we just want to do what's best for the team. And so does Chow, right? He's, uh, he's just the, you know, the ultimate team player and he'll do whatever he's asked. But just building off that, it seemed like later in the later stages of the game, um, he was getting more opportunities to stay and play and, and took a lot of, you know, one-on-one opportunities. Was that just something that you guys saw that you would, could expose in the Buffalo's defense or? Well, I think if you ask any defender, you know, you got a six foot four athlete like Chow coming out, he's a pretty tough check, right? So, um, you know, he's, he's smart enough lacrosse player. He's going to pick his spots. And if he sees times to attack, um you know he's got the green lights so um you know he's definitely uh he's a big body he creates a lot of room up there for guys so you know whether he's on the back end or he's up front yeah he's a huge asset for us you you talk about big huge assets that's got to be dan dawson in a nutshell uh he's just an absolute legend what he does and and having played with him i know what he brings but as a coach how nice is it to have a veteran IQ like that on the floor at the same time they can kind of coach through on the floor if things aren't kind of going right uh Doss is great you know he's uh you know I I actually you know he started playing lacrosse or playing senior when I first uh, was in Brampton and stuff like that so I've known Doss for a long time but uh just having him there you know his leadership he's like you know it's like having another coach there and uh he's such a you know great teammate and uh, he's there you know helping the guys always giving them advice and uh, like I said, it's like having another coach there. And, you know, you lean on your veterans as a coach and, and you, you want their input and you value their input. And I, and I certainly, you know, have all the respect in the world for Doss, not only as a, as a player and what he's accomplished, but uh, just as a person. He's just such a good guy and a great teammate. And, uh, you know, he's definitely been a lot of fun to be around this year. You talked about the preparation of this group. You guys practiced the other night. Did the message change from head coach Matt Sawyer at all? No, no, we, uh, you know, we want same game plan here. We, we, you know, uh, having a little bit of adversity, right? You know, our backs against the wall, it's, it's the same game plan, right? You know, we got all the respect for them. They're a real good team, you know, and uh, we're going to have our hands full. But we, uh, you know, we're confident, uh, you know, going into Saturday night. Uh, we like a lot of things that we did. We're going we're gonna to make some adjustments and, uh, you know, hopefully come, out, come with a better outcome on Saturday. Krugs, appreciate you as always, my man. It'll be a fantastic night Saturday. Bandits rock game two. Thanks for your time, my brother. Thanks a lot, guys. Anytime. Is the GOAT, John Tavares of the Buffalo Bandits. Johnny, how are you? I'm well. How you doing? Uh, we are both fantastic. I want to go back to Sunday night and inside Banditland. Obviously, the emotions and thoughts of everybody were with those affected by the horrific attack. Had you ever been inside an environment like that before? And what was it like being inside that environment? It was, uh, you know, definitely a a different environment completely. Something, you know, I don't think I or many people on that team were used to, you know, just, you know, you're, you're, you're just about to play in a really important lacrosse game, but you know, the, the, the bigger picture of that weekend in Buffalo was the, you know, the tragedy that happened, unfortunately at tops literally about five minutes away from where we were playing. So, you know, our hearts go out to the families, the victims. It's just, I could not imagine going through that. And uh, at the same time, trying to keep the guys focused on the game. And uh, I don't know what happened, but both teams were on fire that night offensively. 
So I'm not exactly sure if the guys were just playing extra hard or, or, or what it was, but it was, it was definitely different atmosphere. It was electric in the building. And, you know, we talked about just trying to get a win and give something back to the community. Was there ever any talk of postponing the game at all? Not that I know of. I mean, I saw, I saw on uh, social media that, you know, the game will be taking place, but if there was any discussion, I was not a part of it. All right. Fair enough. Um, to, to the game itself, uh, Steve Priolo takes a holding the stick penalty in, in the first quarter, and it's the only one called all night. Is that a good thing for you guys to have the officials put their whistles away? Well, um, I think that we're a strong five-on-five team, so I don't mind if the whistles go away. I think we have strong specialty teams too, so if they don't put them away, I think we can respond with a power play goal or kill as well. Um, I, I like, personally, I like the, the way the game was officiated, letting, you know, let the guys play lacrosse. And uh, it was a tough game. The guys worked for what they got. And, uh, you know, there wasn't any, like, you know, five on threes, a bunch of five on fours. There was a great flow to the game. That game, obviously, <laughs> I don't know if we can expect 35 goals once again, but um, both teams have the ability uh, to play a more defensive, grinded out um, battle. Do you, are you pleased that your group, of course, everyone seems to talk about the high-powered offense and for good reason, but are you pleased that you're this deep in the season and your team has been able to find ways to win despite what type of game it is? Well, I think that's a sign, you know, of a good team where you can win the, the low-scoring games, you can win the you know very physical games, and you can win the high-scoring games as well. Um, you know, we scored 18. Toronto did score 17. Um, you know, so I think it was an evenly matched game. You know, the difference was obviously one there, and you know that's the main thing that we talk about is paying attention to detail throughout the game because that one play that you might think is not going to cost you it could be the difference in the game and you look through all you know like the the, the whole entire game is 60 minutes in its entirety and you think of how can you be better and what can we improve on so going you know going through the game you know i'm going through the video and thinking you know where can we improve you know what can we avoid doing how can we better how can we not give them an easy opportunity to score so you know i think both teams are are doing their homework this week and I'm expecting a a much lower scoring affair than it was last week. That's an easier easy prediction, but you never know with, with the, yeah. the, the offensive players on both teams that uh, you know when those guys get hot. It's going to be hard to stop you know either offense. And uh, like you said, both goalies are two of the top goalies in the league, and they can get hot, or the defenses can play stellar. So I really don't know what to expect, but. You know, my gut feeling tells me it's going to be a lot tighter checking, and, and I think both goalies will probably get a lot more saves. Your offense is quite possibly the most electric the NLL has ever seen, and you've been on a quite quite a few electric offenses in your time. What makes this group so special as a whole unit? You know, you say the word whole unit, and that's what it is. You know, like I know it's, it's the saying, you know, we attack by committee, but we literally have every guy on the offense that can score three, four, or five goals in a given night. Um, obviously, you know, Dane and Josh spearhead the group, but you got, you know, Connor Fields, you know, he can three, four, you know, you got Dohoka, he can score three, four, Frazier, you know, with style, uh, you know, you got Kluch, you, know, you got Bucky, you know, like guys can put the ball in that everybody's a threat. So, you know, the teams can't focus in on one guy. And I think having, 
seven threats out there, um, it's hard to pinpoint who you're going to cover. You know, like you play against you know guys like Paul and Gary Gay. Okay, we're going to just we're just going to play our defense to cover Paul. Let everybody else beat us. Well, if teams do that with us, the other guys can beat you. So you can't mm. take that approach. Mm. Uh, one thing heading into the season, when you guys went out and acquired some of those names, um, there was you know the, the cliche that gets thrown around all the time. There's only one ball. How proud of you are of this group that they've bought into what you're preaching and they're sharing the ball and they don't care who goes off as long as the bandits are finding the back of the net, they're happy about it. Yeah. And it's a great feeling as a coach to watch guys on your team, be happy for their teammates and enjoy their successes with them. Um, I don't, I don't see, or I don't think, I, I don't feel any, animo- any animosity between any of the offensive guys. You know, I've been on teams where I've coached or played where there's always a one or two, oh, he's hogging the ball. But I, I don't feel that on this team. I think mm-hmm. that all the guys genuinely like playing with each other and are literally happy for one another. I'm sure all of them want to produce more. You know, every offensive guy obviously mm-hmm. wants to score and be part of the production. And they've accepted roles you know like in that game i'm like hey go behind the net hey you know you, you kind of have a dummy cut no one ever says no you know what i mean they don't give me attitude there's no body language it's great feeling so guys know like i, I think the prime example is you take a guy like kyle buchanan he is going to do all the dirty work he's going to lose balls he doesn't care if he scores gets the points he he's, he's the first guy to volunteer hey i'll go set that pick for you you know it's great to hear and when when you hear somebody on your team do that a veteran like kyle you know, that stuff's contagious. Now all the other guys like, Hey, I'll do that for you now. So it's nice hearing that as an offensive coach. You mentioned that. And and I just wanted to go to our conversation that, you know, the TSN crew had with, with Dane Smith. That's one thing he said. He said, if the smallest guy on the floor, like Bucky can go out and battle for those loose balls, set those hard picks. Why can't I, who I'm two, two times bigger than him <laughs> do that. And he said it was a complete motivation. Yeah, that, that's great to hear that Dane said that. And, you know, I've known Dane since he, he was a rookie, and his game has gotten better um, in every asset, from, from just from scoring to passing to loose balls to running back and playing defense. You know, he's always trying to improve, and I like that about him. That's why he's very coachable. He's not a one-dimensional player. He's always trying to improve his game, which he, which he should, which everybody should. We all watched uh, during the regular season and hoping Dane would reset the points record. Um, Do you think he felt that pressure? And conversely, now that it's kind of in the past, do you think he's playing a little looser? 100%. I I think, you know, just speaking from experience, um, not to take away from Dane, just anytime there was a milestone or a possible record and the media, you know, would mention to me, I kind of get a little uptight and guys start feeding the ball more. It's just that added pressure that you need to do that. And I think as that game went on and the longer he went with not having any points, it was kind of like the harder he was trying to get a point. Um, and it's hard to play lacrosse that way when you're just thinking, get a point, get a point, as opposed to just letting things come naturally to you. So mm. I said, you know what? It's not like you're trying to break somebody else's record. You're trying to break your own record. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> you still have the record. <laughs> Coming from the guy who's got most of the records in the national. <laughs> it's different when it's someone else's record, right? Yeah, right. It's the record, yeah. so it's okay, right? Yeah. You know? um, how important is the transition game for your guys' overall success? Well, I mean, that's going to be the difference in a lot of the games is, is you know, you got two great offenses, two great defenses, and two great goalies. The difference is who can produce more opportunities. And 
and you know the smarter guys are going to get more transition opportunities so i think that's where the could be the difference especially when there's not a lot of penalties called is the difference in the game will be in transition i know you don't want to get ahead of yourself obviously you still have this series here but you know, you've, you've, you put a couple of banners up, you know, in that building in Buffalo. Uh, it's been a little while. How special it would be uh, to add another banner uh, at Key Bank Center, but this time as a coach? You know, I think the longer they've been in Buffalo, the, the one regret is there's not more banners up there. So every goal, every year, the goal is to win the championship. So it's okay to say we want to win the championship. Obviously, we still have a long way to go. You know, we got Toronto to get by and and hopefully we can get there and they're a great team but the ultimate goal is always getting a championship and when you don't get there it's disappointing but when you look back and think wow we had a really good squad we should have won that year we should have won those years those kind of you know those are like you know i don't know sour sour moments in, in, in your career where you remember those almost as much as the ones you won JT, it's going to be an absolutely electric atmosphere in Hamilton on Saturday for Game 2. Good luck and appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It should be a great battle. Joined now by Jason Bishop, OC of the call. I'm with Bishop. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, let's get into it. Uh, what's your first year been like behind the bench and for an NLL team? Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of like sort of growing pains, but I think, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been awesome. It's been like a great experience, uh, clearly. But when, when you kind of made the jump from being the video guy to, to running the front door, did a lot change for you in your preparation? Well, I mean, I've been coaching lacrosse for a long time. It's just, it's almost like, uh, you know, sometimes people think they, you know, they're going to do something at the NLL level, a player or a coach or whatever. And it's, it's sort of like lacrosse on fast forward. Like it's faster than anything I ever coached before. It's the guys are way more skilled, what they can do, their IQs, the, like just everything about the game, learning the timeout sequence. Like there's so much to learn about the game itself. And I don't know, it's, 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 uh, I don't know, preparation wise, I'm sort of, uh, you know, a little, ADD, OCD when it comes to lacrosse. So I'm thinking about our game and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it a lot. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm prepared to go for sure. Same as I would, I guess, for any other team. But it's just at another level, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, how much has it helped having Patty alongside you? Obviously, you guys have been together coaching junior and, and lacrosse and Coquitlam for quite some time. How much has him being beside you helped your transition? Well, I mean, yeah, he's, Pat's, uh, you know, I've learned – I've learned so much like from Pat, like over the years of, uh, you know, just his intensity is, you know, like his, his process, his focus of, you know, being in the process and not in the outcome. And just, just mm -hmm. like his, his approach to the game, like he's, uh, he's a great coach and, uh, you know, Brider's really helped too. And, you know, being in the organization, like Gilly was there, you know, and then, uh, you know, Willie, you know, Willie helped too. Like I've had a lot of support, um, for sure. But, uh, you know, Pat's obviously been the biggest part of that. Uh, so let's go back to this past weekend. Obviously, the loss of Ryan Lee was massive for you guys. But how impressed were you with the resilience of your group to battle through in game one? 
Yeah, I thought I was, I was really proud of the guys. Um, you know, how we just faced adversity and stuck together and, you know, played with some emotion for Ryan. Obviously, losing Lizo, he's not replaceable in our offense. The ball sort of goes through him, and he's been a, a leader of our offense all season. And, and uh, you know, but, like, how the guys stepped up and, uh, and played together, like, uh, that's sort of our focus anyway, just, you know, Playing together and trying to win shifts is, is is really our focus as a group. But how they stepped up, I was really proud of them. When when you look at the depth of your offense and scoring by committee has been huge, does that make life easier for you as an OC? Um, yeah, I mean we've we've had struggles too, right, over the season. And um, you know, the the reality of our offenses, we're like nine players deep. Like I actually think I would be comfortable putting any player in our offense in our lineup, like, you know, and um, different guys step up on different nights, but we've had our, our real leaders playing at like at a high level and producing like all season. And, you know, it, it does, I don't know if there's pressure on me to score, like to score. I mean, they're, they, they're, they're the ones that got to play and they're the ones that got to go do it. But I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're playing together so well that somebody's going to score. Like there's, there's just so many weapons, right? And of course, obviously Zed, you know, started things off for you guys and, and he just had a massive game for you guys. And there aren't many players like Zed in the NLL, big, fast, physical with incredible feet, but just super soft hands. How much of a treat has it been to coach a guy like Zed Williams? Yeah, he's a, he's a really amazing player, obviously, and a really, like, genuine guy, and he's, like, an awesome teammate. He's he's a big, fast, athletic, like, can-do-it-all sort of guy who demands the defense to pay attention to him, and he's, you know, the last game he had, I think, um, you know, potentially he could have been doing that. I, I think there's only one ball, right? So he only shoot – there's only one ball to shoot. So, I mean, you know, every possession. So, I mean, we end up, like – you know, there's a lot of weapons on our offense and the ball gets spread around and the guys are just playing for each other. And, you know, if he got five or didn't get five, he would still go out and battle every night. Like he's a he's a he's a real pleasure to coach. He's a, he's a really awesome guy. Another guy that uh, I think would be a pleasure to coach is Connor Robinson. And you guys went out and, and got C-Rob. Um, Obviously, you guys knew that he could become a weapon, uh, but are you kind of surprised with how good he's been at putting the ball this uh, in the net this season? Yeah, not not at all, to be honest. Like, Pat and I have been coaching against uh, Connor for years. I, I'm from New West. He's from New West. I've been watching him shoot the ball over the elbow for, for years, like 10 years, man. I've been watching him shoot the ball over the elbow, and uh, he beat us up in junior all the time, and he played senior when he was a junior. Like, the guy's... You know, I just don't know that he had the opportunity to play mm -hmm. in Sask the way their lefty situation is. And, you know, like you look at the players he would have had to bump to get in the lineup and they're, you know, they're good players. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's a benefit for us, though. And he's him and Eli and, and, and Chris and Dylan are playing really well together and they're just feeding off each other. And it's it's been really awesome. It's, it's kind of a tough challenge for, for you uh, as an offensive coordinator coming into this game. Obviously, the offense looked great. You got a ton of great looks. The production was there. But now you go in a game, too, where you've shown your hands. How is that balance between, you know, trying some other things but not getting away from what was working well in game one? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're like offensively, I just try to give a framework or a structure to some, some, what, what we're thinking of doing and the guys are really reading and playing off of each other. So, I mean, um, you know, we had a game plan going into that game. This is a new game, you know, like, uh, I think it's a bit of a trap game that, you know, our focus is just going to be about working hard and winning shifts and, uh, you know, really just focus on playing together. That's our focus. We've seen how crazy the Avalanche fans are for their team during the playoffs. And obviously Mammoth fans are as passionate uh, as the rest. How excited are you to play this game at home inside the Loud House? Like so excited. Like I, I, literally, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to go back there. Like we've been on the road. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's sort of funny because, you know, a lot of the guys aren't from Denver, although a lot of our team lives in Denver now. So it might not feel like a home game is a home game because we're traveling to Denver to play there. But I'm telling you, that feels like a home game. That actually feels like we're going into a, like our, our space almost. And, uh, you know, the fans there are so loud. You can't even talk on the bench. Like it's literally like I can't even talk to Pat. It's so loud there. And it's so, it, it's like, Having a, a six guy on the floor the whole game, the fans make such a huge impact on us. Uh, I want to ask, you know, John Tavares' question about the Buffalo transition game, but how important is your guys' transition game to the success of your offense? Yeah, it's huge. Like, I, you know, this this season, like, we've been really focused on trying to support both ends. Like, you know, Dylan Ward makes an unreal save. Our D's, like, a second effort defense, like, really working hard and they get down the floor and it, you know if they get a goal in tranny one or two a game like man that's just like huge and it's so uplifting for the O. like even if we can get off the bench right you guy gets to the bench you know short or long and we get down the floor uh, you know we can get a tranny goal it's huge like those goals are just like daggers where are you going for pregame lunch <laughs> i'm not sure we usually debate about it um <laughs> Not sure who's picking it. It could be Brider's pick, but I don't know. Maybe Chiba Hut. Maybe we got a, oh, yeah. a Chiba yeah. Hut. Yeah, something like that. Maybe you're not a Mangiano's guy, eh? <laughs> wow, we go to Mangiano's once in a while. It depends on how it was last time. I can't. Remember, I can't remember <laughs> what happened last time. We're only Brider and I are like want to do the same thing though. Pat doesn't care. He always just no, like he, whatever. Yeah, he flies by the seat of his pants. Uh, Fish, preach <laughs> it, my man. Uh, good luck this weekend. Game two inside the Loud House at home. It should be a fantastic one. Appreciate your time, brother. Okay, thanks, guys. The other half of the Western Conference Final is the San Diego Seals, and their OC is Josh Sanderson. Shooter, how are you, my man? Good. How are you, Teddy and Pat? We are fantastic. An obvious uh, tough loss in game one at home, but there are a lot of positives to take away do you see yourself tweaking much or just maybe fine-tuning a few things with your offense i think uh the latter fine-tuning a bit um we're obviously pretty happy with the first half and uh not so happy with our third quarter so um you know i think we just got to tweak a few things and uh you know they, they did beat us so we gotta we gotta play better um so yeah we're, we're gonna fine uh, tune a few things and hopefully find a way to win this game is, what? This, sorry, is this sort of a, a carryover from that kind of losing streak that you guys are on? Is there still some doubt, not doubt, but is there still some lingering effects of that kind of slow finish to the year? Uh, no, I didn't think that was the problem. I thought it was our third quarter coming out flat and they were ready to play. So they took it to us pretty good. And then um, 
we did recover and tie it up and then they got a, got a few late ones there, but, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, the first playoff win and then the Vancouver last game of the regular season, we were feeling pretty good about things and we came out playing pretty good. We just, uh, if you don't play 60 minutes against Colorado, you're in trouble. Well, that kind of answers my my question. I was going to ask, was it more that you guys came out flat in that quarter or did they do something that prevented you guys not able to find the net or only find the back of the net one time in that third quarter? Pro- probably a bit of both, Pat. Um you know, they did come out and, and scored some key goals right away that might have put us on our heels a little bit. But um, we did have some chances in on their net that we didn't capitalize on. And, and you got to find a way to stop their runs. So, um, yeah, you know, Colorado all year, they've come back from big yeah. deficits. <laughs> and we knew that. So no excuse on our part. We just got to be ready to play the full game. Your offensive depth is a huge blessing for you guys, especially with the, all the injuries you've had throughout the year. But now in crunch time, do you find it hard to keep everybody involved? Uh, definitely some tougher decisions, uh, Teddy, just you know, because we were always missing somebody throughout the year, and, and now everybody's uh, somewhat healthy um, that everybody can dress. So uh, tougher decisions for sure, but we're just trying to – you know, uh, put the best lineup every weekend to give us a chance to win. And, um, you know, obviously our back's against the wall this weekend and, and we got to, whoever's dressing has got to be ready to go. You've been around some special players and, uh, and some competitive players. Is there, or have you ever seen a more fiery competitor than Audi Stotts? Yeah, no, there's, well, we got a few. Dobes is in that category. <laughs> yeah, yes, you're right. And uh, right. other guys, so... Um, yeah, when Audie's got that energy and, uh, obviously, uh, he's hitting a few shots, you know, it can be contagious. So, um, we're hoping he gets hot this weekend and he's been playing hard. So, uh, you know, Dylan had a, a few big saves on him last game and, um, but yeah, he, he's definitely fiery and, and, you know, he loves scoring goals, which is great to see. And, um, you know, we just need Audie at his best this weekend. When you talk with your offense, you know, it is... Is there the belief that the message is going to have success? And, and do you guys, do you feel that your offense is continually buying into the system each and every night? Yeah, I believe so. Um, you know, we got a great group of guys up there and they're all, uh, you know, they all want to do whatever it takes to win. So I've never had any problem with, uh, with the old unit, let alone anybody on the team. We got great buy-in and, um, you know, we don't, we, it didn't, go away during that losing streak as tough as it was. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in one of the last four teams and, uh, you know, we got to go into Colorado and find a way to do what they did to us is, is where we're at. So, uh, our players been great all year. That's not going to change this weekend. So, um, no, I can't say enough about, uh, about the guys on our team. You look through that, uh, your offensive lineup and there's just littered with guys, doesn't matter which level it is. They're big time players. How much confidence does that instill, not in you as a coach, but in, t- in that entire locker room that you have guys that have gone out and played big games uh, in big moments? Yeah, it's very important, especially um, when you're, when our back's against the wall, like it is this weekend, Pat, uh, we found that's when we've been at our best all year. I think we got a little uh, comfortable, obviously at nine and two and it got into to a bit, bad run i guess so to speak but um you know we're we're confident in our group and, and like you said we got some big guys that hopefully can uh play their big guys this weekend 
the the you talked about fiery competitors and i've really liked the play of two guys in in casey jackson and jeremy noble in the last few weekends how important is their success to the overall success of this group so like when they're going everyone else can kind of follow them yeah they've been uh huge for us you know all year and over the last few years i guess um casey's just you know pure goal scorer and you can find different ways to score goals so Whenever he's scoring, um, you know, we're in good shape and, and he's really a huge for our power play. And then Jeremy's, you know, obviously great at feeding and has been uh, having one of his better years in the league. And, and, you know, he's a passionate guy too. So obviously we need both those guys uh, going this weekend and, and, and they have been for have however many games they've played this year. Dane needs one assist to become the fourth player in NLL playoff history for 80 assists and one point to become the third player to reach 150 points in the playoffs. What intangibles does he have when the stakes are highest that makes him so elite? Uh, he's just a competitor. He wants to win, right? Sacrifice his, sacrifice his body. He's uh, you know brought some uh, good leadership to our team on and off the floor. So, he, you know, he's the full package and, uh, you know, I'd expect Dane to be, you know, at his best this weekend. And um, like I said, our backs are against the wall. There's no tomorrow. So I expect all our big boys to be ready to go. What's Trey LeClaire mean to this offense? You know, you guys have worked him a bit out the back door now. Uh, and he's kind of become a more of a transitions weapon for you guys. What does he mean to the success of your when he's able to push in transition? Well, it's, it's huge, obviously. Um, he, he's so athletic, so he's a tough matchup in open space. And then, um, obviously, on offense last week, he got to the net pretty good and ran around. And Dylan on the one and, and chucked it in for a nice goal. Um, so, yeah, it's huge. It's kind of like having that seven and a half old guys, nine and a half D guys kind of thing. And um, any role we've asked Trey to play, he's bought in. And uh, he's just been a, you know, He's a good kid, and he's bought into whatever we've asked to try to win lacrosse games, and he's continuing to do that. So good on Trey, and uh, you know we expect him to be good again this weekend. I know uh, he's on the back end, but how about Patrick Shume playing his best lacrosse of the season in the postseason with three goals in just two games? Yeah, she has been good for us all year. He's been snake-bitten the odd chance he's had up there, so it's nice to see him get rewarded. Obviously, the Philly goals were massive. And then chipping again last week. Uh, so, you know, she's been good for us all year. He's a rookie. He's played tons of minutes. He's learning on the job. Um, you know, just a great kid. So can't say enough about Shu. And, and I guess I'm ending with all this, but I expect Shu to be good this weekend also. <laughs> uh, last one for you. In your short history, you guys as the Seals have had a bit of an edge over the mammoth in the head-to-head -head battles. How much do you rely on that and pass games? Or do you think going into game two, it's just kind of a blank slate. You just got to win one game. Doesn't matter about the past or the future. Yeah, hundred percent. The second one, um, you know, it's all about this weekend. The previous games don't matter. We've, you know, we've, we've always played each other, you know, pretty good. I know they've beat mm. us in our barn a few times. We've got them in their barn a few times and, so, you know, it's just a bit of a rivalry that's growing and uh, we've got a lot of respect for their team, how hard they work and a, a great coaching staff. So um, if you're not ready to play 60 minutes against Colorado, good luck to you. But um, hopefully, hopefully we're ready for the full 60 and uh, can get it back to San Diego for game three. And as you said, hopefully all the big guns show up on the biggest stage. Josh, appreciate your time, my man. Uh, good luck this weekend. We'll catch up. 
Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. There we go, Patty. All four coaches that are in charge of the offenses and all four very intelligent minds realizing that what is at stake is the biggest game of the season for two clubs and a chance for the other two to move on to the next round. Big game players show up at big game moments, and this is the biggest of the season for all four of these clubs. And it's a good thing that uh, we talked to the offensive coaches this week and not the defensive coaches right. this week because those guys would be in a lot worse mood than they were last week. And the old coaches were in a much better mood this week. But they're, they were all business, man. Like, mm-hmm. they're all great chat. But even the teams that won, they know that either one of these teams with a win can get right back into this series. And, uh, it, that's that's just the nature of uh you know a two best two out of three like of course the one and done is great it makes for great tv um but i've heard a few people say say it and i said it i think on coast to coast a couple weeks ago i think this is going to be uh one of the years where we for sure for sure are going to get the best overall team in the national lacrosse league because we get two series that will be mm-hmm. best two out of three yeah, I agree. I think of these four teams, they are four of maybe the top five teams, yeah. six teams at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what you want. You know, it, I never hate seeing a team that's, you know, a, a fourth seed kind of go on a Cinderella run. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we all want to see best versus best. And we're definitely going to get that this year. Um, before we get to box bets this week. Um, I think the first TSN game you did, you dropped cannonade on me and I thought you put two words together. And then you reminded me <laughs> of the legend, Bill Clement. Um, I had never heard bar Mexico before. <laughs> you have not, have you? No, until, um, you said it, um, please explain to me bar Mexico. So bar down. Yeah. You know, when someone goes bar down. Well, if you look at a map, I believe yeah. it's more of a of a, an American term. But you look at a map. There's U.S. What's below it? Mexico. Bar Mexico. Bar down. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that's what it was, but I just you know, <laughs> just didn't know if there was something else out there. Bar Mexico does sound like a good time. Good, good, it does. good tacos. Bar Mexico, maybe a yeah. couple of Coronas. Not bad. A couple of taquitos for sure. Yes. So we, um, how did we do in box bets last week? I don't even remember. So. I think we did we win? No. I think we won. Did we? We took both underdogs. Oh, we did. We won. <laughs> no, the bandits weren't underdogs. No, but to cover the spread. Oh, we were spreaders, right? We won. Hell yeah. All right, let's keep it rolling. Yeah. Time for box bets. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, so we'll mess on our favor and our side. Um, where are we going to go this week? First off, before we get to this, that's shame on you to the loyal listeners, not for 
obviously not enough people rode with us this week. They must not have liked the parlay because when we do usually win, when we cash, we hear from from you folks. Say and and so shame on you. Yeah, my bad. We're hot. You better hop on our backs now. Let's stay hot because we've got another great parlay for game two of the conference finals. And this one here, I know we usually like the flip-flop. You know, Teddy goes for one, I go for one. This one was a little bit of a collaborative uh, effort. So we have, once again, because they won last time, the Toronto Rock to cover the spread. They helped us last time. They're going to do it again. Plus one and a half. Then we're going with the Seals and the Mammoth. And I know... Frank Chiliano, Dylan Ward. That's scary. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Well, it could still be a low-ish scoring game. Low-ish. But we think it's going to go over 21 and a half. We like that. It was pretty good, but we wanted a little more juice. We wanted, you know, Teddy likes to swing for the fences. So <laughs> we put our heads together and got a little bit creative. So our parlay could be done pretty quickly. But... We've also added Mammoth to score the first goal of the game. Yes, you heard it correctly. Mammoth to score the first goal of the game. That's all we need. Add those three together at Cool Bet. You are getting plus 565. Come on. Yes, sir. It could all be ruined if a Seals player scores first. Man, I love this anxiety. So good for me. It's it's a sweat, man. It is a sweat. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Everyone would be doing it. That's what they say. Um, where can people find those other bets? The the Colorado to score first and the first half score over under things. Where can they find that? Absolutely. Well, uh, if you are on the homepage, a uh, cool bet. You'll see down the side, NHL, NBA, cool bet parlays. Keep going down. You'll see the two little lacrosse sticks at the bottom. NLL, click that. Whatever game you want to choose. Let's say you're looking for Toronto Rock, Buffalo Bandits. Click that little plus sign with the number beside it. That's going to open everything up. Then you're going to see a couple of tabs. Popular, winner, totals, halves. So let's say you're looking for that first team to score. Click the winner. Then you'll see money line. You'll see handicap. You can check out the alternate spreads for that as well. But then you'll also team, see, first team to score. Right now, for example, Toronto Rock, Buffalo Bandits, even money right down the chute, minus 110 for both. You can also find, go to totals. Again, we've talked about the totals already. There's alternate totals. Um, But another cool thing that is added into the fold is halves. So you can go to the first half money line or the first half total. So right now, the first half money line, Buffalo Bandits are still the favorites at minus 118. Toronto Rock, Thunderdogs at minus 108. The total is set at 11.5 for the first half, and it is even money at both sides. So that is all the other bets that you can get. And of course, uh, on game day early in the morning, when you wake up, especially Teddy, you on the West Coast, all the player props will be there, head-to-head, uh, goals, points. Unfortunately, you may have missed the boat, or no, you didn't may. You have missed the boat for the series bets, 
But if you're challenging Rogers' bet for head-to-head goals against Chris Cloutier, you have a chance right now. You're up right now. So if you took that, I know it was at plus money, but a lot of good bets there. And then, of course, Cool Bet's going to hit the reset button once these two series are done, and we will have some great props for the NLL Finals. Uh, current NLL Cup final odds, Buffalo plus 110 are your favorites. Colorado plus 250, San Diego plus 500, Toronto plus 600. Yes, yes. I that wanted seems to get to kind of odd to me. I wanted to get to this because um, I would be throwing some OTCB bucks, let's call it, on Toronto Rock uh, to win the NLL Cup. At plus 600, are you kidding me? Because if they win here, send it to game three, you will not see those odds ever again. That is madness. They're going at home. They're going back to Hamilton where they've been unbelievable. I think they're seven and two on the year, and two of their losses came at the the very start of the season. Um, I love that bet. I absolutely love that bet. I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if you know if Buffalo wins in Hamilton here, or even if they win in Game Three. But at that value, at plus six hundred, man, no way. Like I, I would take that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's box bets for another week. Buffalo, Toronto, seven p.m. Eastern. San Diego at Colorado, nine thirty p.m. Eastern. I haven't seen if the San Diego Colorado game will be on any of the multiple ESPN chances or chance. Um, but Flow Toronto will be the TSN game week. You guys will be calling that again. Excited, Patty, for a playoff game in the Hammer. I can't wait, man. Honestly, like the Hammer has been great all season long. I was talking to a buddy who I ran into um, that was at the last uh, or the, the first, I should say, uh, the game against uh, – Toronto and Halifax round one. And he said, you know, I've been, it was my second game of the season. And I thought, you know, sitting in the stands a little bit of a, a lower crowd, but man, they were loud. And he's right. It wasn't the best crowd. I should say by numbers that uh, they had for that first playoff game. And it is so difficult um, for that short turnaround to sell those tickets but they were loud. They were passionate. Like when Challen Rogers scored that goal, it felt like the whole building was full. Um, but with that being said, they're expecting a bigger crowd. It's back on their Saturday night, which they love because that means, uh, you know, rock fans from all across Ontario can make the trek out. Um, and don't be surprised if you see some black and orange in the building. It's super close to Buffalo. They've been traveling really well this season. I can't wait, man. It's going to be awesome. And no Leafs to play Saturday night either. Oh, come on. What yeah, was I got it in on, there. <laughs> on there being a Leafs jab. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, all right. Uh, a couple of final thoughts before uh, we get out of here this week. Um, John Grant's leaving Hopkins. And he put out um, a little piece on social media thanking the Hop family for everything that they've done. Um, And then the Lax Mag put out a tweet of a picture of Sean Williams, John Grant, and I believe it's um, Scott Evans, the third in the picture. And the tag was, it worked great before. So have they essentially connected the dots? John Grant will be Willie's OC. 
in Vegas? I I certainly think that is uh, what they are suggesting. With that being said, I haven't heard anything officially. I haven't heard rumblings. I've heard some people suggesting that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him to leave a job, um, you know, a, an assistant coach job at a big program like Johns Hopkins, um, to just be an assistant coach with Las Vegas, I kind of have a hard time believing that, but maybe there's more that he'll be involved in in the organization. Maybe there's another role. Um, or maybe it's not that at all. Maybe yeah, we maybe he's got a HC job in the NCAA somewhere. Yeah, or yeah, who who knows? But certainly when when Laxmag put that out, I was like, I'm kind of on the same same wavelength as you, but I haven't heard anything. I'll do my investigative journalism, uh, and then I'll that. probably be sworn to secrecy if I find out anything. Yeah, anyway, you're the so. worst. Um, <laughs> the other news and that that came out Wednesday was the PLL Championship Series. Now, apparently this will be a sixes tournament between the top four teams after the season is done, and they want to do it during the winter. Um, Details are still kind of sparse right now, but does this just reek to you? It's... Man, I... Part of me is being the crabby box lacrosse fan saying, well, what about the NLL where this is in our season? But I think the PLL maybe did this on purpose or I don't know. They got to stop giving news leaks to Sportico that has a paywall behind it because, you know, later came out through details that, um, they are aware that there are going to be some conflicts um, for some players in the NLL, and it's they 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 but they didn't say the NLL; they said indoor season. Um, so they made it evidently clear that they're aware, and that this is actually going to be an opportunity, maybe for some former MLL players or some some other players in the player pool for them to showcase their talents. So it's like, okay, that makes a little more sense. Still, kind of weird that you're doing a tournament in the middle of, of a season where a lot of your players are playing. And let's be honest, look at team Canada's sixes roster. They all play in the NLL. Mm-hmm. Um, none of those guys are going to be playing. Um, even if you look at the team USA's roster, there's, you know, a decent amount of NLL talent on, on that team as well. If you look at team Iroquois, they're all in the NLL. So if you're trying to showcase sixes, to the masses of teams and player or not teams, but players that are going to be playing in Birmingham or maybe in a couple of years at the Olympics, whatever it is. I don't know if that's the case, but I don't know. It's just, it, it, it seems like it could have been done differently. See, oh, my well. solution to this is just do it after the PLL season's over. I get it, but this is their way. I think of, because let's let's be honest, down in the states, February after the Super Bowl, that's kind of a dead time for yeah. sports. It's a little bit of a lull in the NBA season. It's a lull of the NHL season. Yes, but we're also no trying to find a place in continental U.S. that isn't covered in snow in February. 
Very true. I'm, I assume they'll go to, I don't know, California. Maybe they go. Maybe they go into an invo- indoor venue. I, I I don't know. This seems like this is a made for TV um, tournament. Um, so I I don't know, man. Like I like the concept of it, and I totally agree with you. It's like why can't you just do it after? Why can't you do it in the fall? Yeah, like, yeah I get it. You're going against the NFL and college college football, but like. If you're on ESPN, like they'll find a slot for you. Um, it's not like it's going to be a three week thing. It'd be like over a weekend, right? I'd imagine. Exactly. exactly. It's, it's I, just I get weird. It. Like I said, details are sparse. It just came out on Wednesday, um, but just to me, it really reeks of them trying to make players choose when they should be doing all they can to not make players choose and find a right schedule for everything to just kind of flow through each other one into the next into the next, and then back to the start. So that's, again, that's, that's the, the outdoor versus indoor NLL versus PLL debate that will always exist until these two leagues find a way to coexist. It's, it's an ongoing battle. And I think until, the Rabel sit down with whoever is going to be the commissioner. And maybe that's topic number one when the new commissioner is out having a sit down and saying, how can we have a better relationship than what we've had in the past with former leadership? How do we coexist? How do we get our players uh, to be able to play in both leagues? Or how do we have our schedule where we're not having the chaos run their two squad out there because if you look at their not able to travel list right now, it is insane. But what does Andy towers do? He just picks up every other player. That's not in the playoffs right now. (laughs) And it just shows you how valuable NLL talent is in this league. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to be sixes, I mean, sixes is a hybrid box field game and, it's very similar to box. Box players look really good in this. Guys that can play both ways look have looked good in the small sample sizes that we've seen. So to me, it's a great idea that was not executed properly, but I think uh, it's a very easy job for people to have the knee-jerk reaction saying that Paul Rabel hates the NLL and he's doing this despite that. That's not the case. But did he have the best intentions for his players that play in both leagues? No, and I think it's it's okay to say that. We will end on that note. Uh, it was a crazy first week of the conference finals. Game two in both finals. Go Saturday. Buffalo at Toronto in Hamilton, 7 p.m. Eastern. San Diego at Colorado, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. ESPN.ca, TSN. Or ESPN.com, TSN.ca. Stay up to date on where and when you can watch the games in your area. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at P. Greggy. I am Teddy Jenner on Twitter at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Thanks to Josh Sanderson, Rusty Kruger, Jason Bishop, and the GOAT, John Tavares, for joining us this week. If we go to game three, who knows who will join us next week. We'll have to come back and find out. Until we speak again, 
go to the games. Go to the games. Take a friend. Take a friend. Buy him a beer because you can all use a little extra beer right about now. Stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.